Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Now that heart is beating fast And that's the rhythm I can dance to I'm mighty glad I've got a chance to That one big heart that's beating fast Tomorrow morning let it rain Tomorrow morning let it pour Tonight we're in the groove together Ain't gonna worry about Stormy Gonna kick all trouble out the door. Beat out all trouble and drunk. Beat out all trouble and drunk. Welcome to Radical Australian Community Radio 3CR. Guess what, folks? Me, Culpa. You're going to hear a public apology from me on air. Never happened before. 42 years at 3CR. Now, we double booked for today. We double booked. Not only did we double book, now, a young person called Natalie Swedosh, I was going to interview her today, but we bumped her off. Yes, and all her friends are listening, waiting to actually listen to her. Well, she's been rebooked for the 27th of February, and I can assure you she'll be here on the 27th of February. So my apologies, the trouble is with January coming up, a poor city of guests we had to kind of look down the bottom of the barrel and we thought that Natalie shouldn't be at the bottom of the barrel. She <laughs> should be at the top of the barrel. So we went to the bottom of the barrel and we thought we'd bring back one of our earliest interviews from many, many years ago, Sir Kenneth Charles Mooney. Good afternoon, Sir Kenneth Charles Mooney. Good afternoon. Mm. Mm. He didn't turn air, did he, Dale? Well, the thing is... Excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. I asked the question. Just shut up. Shut up. (laughs) Just shut up for a minute, Ken. All right? Right. I've got to introduce Dale. Right, Royal Highness. And so you should. Because without her, we're nothing. (laughs) Nobody will hear us. (laughs) I mean, she's got... Well, we must be very nice to her. Well, she controls all the buttons. She makes us sound reasonable. Does she? she uh, I don't know if that's even possible. <laughs> Thank you, darling. Look, you're right. It is an impossible task. It's like... Uh, it's I like hope my wife's not listening. She thinks she controls all the buttons. Well, you no. do, darling. Yeah. Look, I think trying to keep us interested is a little bit like uh, Hercules cleaning out the Aegean stables. It'll take a long while for Dale, <laughs> Dale to do that. Now, Dale, si. how has you been during the past week? Um, pretty good. Uh, yeah. You know, had a gig on Saturday. That went well. That was good Where fun. Where was that? At uh, Bombay Rock. It was a friend's sort of secret wedding. Secret so, wedding? Did so they, they got me to come along and do my right. stinky political stuff. All right, great. all right. Man on man, woman on woman, woman on man. What was, was the wedding? Uh, you know, it was all very uh, heteronormative. But heteronormative, that's a good word. <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, you know... They, you know, well, they were wonderfully uh, uh, queer friendly. So, you know, queer friendly, that's good. Well, one of the, one of the best weddings I've ever been at was at the Trades Hall. It was a golf wedding. Okay. Yeah, that was uh, interesting. <laughs> I've been to a nudist wedding. Oh. Oh. <laughs> that's another lifetime away. time for that. No, no, that was a lifetime away when uh, it was all right to be a nudist. Well, yeah. my wife and I have been together for 55 years and we've been married for 50. 
Do you think we're interested, Ken? No, I'm not. <laughs> yes, I am, do you? You are, but I'm not. <laughs> now, Ken, the reason I brought you back is because the first interview we did, uh, we didn't get everything done because you've got a long, 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 long history at 3CR as an activist. Now, what year were you born? 1944. 44. Mm. Yeah. So you're an afterthought during the war, were you? Yes. Yeah, yeah. And your parents both Australians? My parents are both Australians, yes. Yeah, yeah. My, uh, I'm, we're, I'm, they were third generation Australian right. and I'm fourth generation Australian. Right, so right. You so go. you've got a fair way to go for the 2000 generations and indigenous right. people who've been here, haven't we? Yeah, I understand that. Now, you're born in Melbourne. Yes. Obviously. Yes. Yeah, and you've always lived in Melbourne. I've always lived in Melbourne. And you've worked in Melbourne? I've worked. Oh, well, I used to turn up all the time, yes. <laughs> well, yeah, you were a big wig in the unions, weren't you? I stage? was. I was president of the union at one stage. Which, yes. which, which union was that? A very small union called the Federated Gas Employees Union. That doesn't exist anymore, does no, it? No, it was a. a, a, a it's, it, uh, it was a right-wing union, mm-hmm. and uh, I fought them for years, and if you remember Max Burr... Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was the secretary, and him and I hated each other, and he used right. to tell me to shut up and sit down and newt out. I like the bloke, I like the bloke. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I didn't, and eventually we... we you got, the, you got the numbers. I got the numbers, and... And what, he retired? No, uh... Yeah, he re- he did actually retire, but uh, anyway, I finished up president for a few years, and uh, um, uh, yeah. How do you feel about all the changes we've had since you were a trade union leader, as far as trade unions are concerned? Well, I think it's I think it's absolutely they're in a mess. It's horrible, and they've got to start to organise. And if if uh, I say this to to any union official, if you if you if you're scared to go to jail. You shouldn't be a trade union leader, or you shouldn't be yeah, an official. The trouble is, the trouble is, Ken. They're very smart these days. They don't want, they don't want you to go to jail. They want your bloody cash, mm. and that's the way. That's the way it's. You know that. It, I don't think people understand this. That a worker, right, yes. who goes out on on unauthorized strike, can be individually fined ten thousand dollars a day. The individual worker. <laughs> If you're a member of the CFMEU under the current, uh, you know, uh, criminal uh, association, that criminal association that uh, regulates the CFMEU, what's their name again? The, sorry, the, who regulates the CFMEU? The CFMEU, the government sets it up all the time and then <coughs> the Labor Party abolishes it. But you know that you've got less rights as a unionist. I know that. Than if you are a major drug dealer and you import 500 kilograms of heroin. I know that. Because if you're a major drug dealer and you import 500 kilograms of heroin, you're arrested, you can say no comment. Yes. But if you refuse to answer questions as a trade unionist, you can actually be jailed. Yeah. Well, there's got to be... I don't know, but just looking from the outside, but mm. there's got to be ways and means of beating them. Well, the way they were thinking of his community campaigns where, you know, which oh, you were involved in. What, yes. was, what, was, what was that? Solidarity? Worker solidarity? Or Union, involved Union, Union solidarity. solidarity. Tell us about that, because that was an important <coughs> organisation. Well, oh, it certainly was. Well, well we got involved in um, Blues on, on the Wharf, and um, mm. uh, we went down there and we organised people to go down there and uh, blockade the gates, and um, mm. we, we, we did things that unions wanted us to do. 
Yeah, because because the unions couldn't actually act That's correct. So we, we, we were able to do things that they couldn't do. Mm. So um, under the leadership of Dave Kerrin, and mm. uh, was mm. was an excellent organisation. Right. And um, we did quite a bit. Mm. Can you tell us a few of the struggles, apart from the water side workers' struggle? Oh, um, <laughs> I'm getting a bit old there. <laughs> well... Um, <laughs> oh, it's all right, but the, the number of, basically you were doing you were doing flying pickets, weren't you? Yeah, yeah, and flying I, well, pickets outside yeah, places yeah, yeah, because I'll the probably, trade union yes, couldn't do yeah. the picket. Where the trade union couldn't do the picket, we yeah. couldn't. We, we we'd go down there, and you that's, go down that's and do what we do. Yeah. So we had all sorts of picket lines going. Yes, mm. I was trying mm. to think of one that was, but there was yeah. that, there was that many. We were always on the go. And do you know that in 1911, 1911? I know you're not that old because you were born in 44. But your old man could have been, it was around 1911. Did you know that in 1911, the Labor government, the Federal Labor government, made it a condition of employment in the public service that you had to be a member of a union, that non-unionists could not be employed by the government or government contractors? That doesn't, I, I didn't know. I, I, 1911. Yeah, yeah. And today, if you're a member of a union, you're basically a criminal. That's right. Under the yeah. current legislation. Absolutely shocking. Yeah. Well, they're things that they've got to. There's got to be some way around it and beating them. Yeah. And yeah. we've got to sit. I mean, these people have got to sit down and think yeah. and work with each other. Yeah, because I, I keep laughing when I hear about people talking about you know, uh, there's no rights for workers in China and Russia, and then I look at the Australian situation, <laughs> and right. you look at the legislation. It's no different. It is no different. But the thing is, the trade union movement should be looking at people like. Me, yeah. and you, oh, I'm not and me, I'm not not. I'm well, bourgeois. I'm bourgeois. Yeah, no, no point looking I at can, me. I'm a self-employed. I can. I'm a self-employed <laughs> bourgeois. But the thing is that, the thing is that we could do things that they can't do, and we can go and put picket lines on. We yeah, can do certain think, look, things. I mean, look, I address the retired metal workers union uh, impl- um, members. And I think the fight really has been crushed out of most people these days, retired or non-retired. That's just my feeling, because the union numbers are just so low. It was 11% in, in non-government jobs and about 35 in government jobs. Yeah. It's difficult. Well, there's always ways and means. Well, there is, because the rabbit, you know, yeah. everybody says, you know, it's the biggest threat to the economy. Low wages growth. Now, there wouldn't have been low wages growth if there was a strong trade union movement, would there? No, no, of course not. Of course not. They didn't realise that. Well, getting back to you, what did you do as a young tacker? Where did you go to primary school? Well, I went to... um, I've got a slight case of cerebral palsy, very Mm -hmm. slight case. I went to Urella for three years. Right. And then I went to... uh, um, God, I can't Wales Street Primary School. Right. I was right. brought up in Thornbury. Thornbury. And I assume at that stage you'd be getting a few bolts and, you know, Italians and Greek kids coming through school. Oh, yeah. They were, well, well they, they were mainly the early yeah. early people were Italian people. Yeah. And, yeah, and um, uh, yeah. I can remember having him the fight with an Italian kid and um, I called him a day ago and my father heard me mm. and I mean I didn't even mean I didn't even know what it was probably huh. and uh, my father went in 
and told me that uh, there was one race and it was called the human race. Uh-huh. And I've been hit up best mates with this kid anyway, but the thing is that... Yeah, um, you kind of pick up the cultural norms of the, of the period. What would your old man do for, for a crust? He was a carpenter. He was a carpenter. Um, he was an organiser in the old building workers union mm-hmm. and um, uh, he was a... He joined the um, Communist Party in 1930 sometime and... Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. My mother joined the Communist Party when they banned it. She joined <laughs> up. After they banned. That's what, 49 in this show. So there you go. That's yeah. right. But interesting, people, again, we had a referendum, didn't we? Yes. And guess what? They yes. lost, yeah. Well, the Australian people voted not to That's ban right. the Communist That's right. Party, That's exactly which would have right. shocked Menzies to, to the core. Oh, yes. He was shocked by that one. So that's where my... Uh, I, 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 um, Mm. I joined the Eureka Youth League at a young age and mm. went on from there in my politics you, you didn't group. Jo- you didn't join the artistic branch of the Eureka Youth League, so I don't think there's an artistic bone in your body, Ken. <laughs> Do you know I belong to the new theatre? That's, what, I'm, that's what I was intimating. You were a member of the new theatre, were you? Yes, for really? quite a while, yes. I've, I've done and, quite a few plays. I was, um, I was uh, hoping to get picked up on... On, but I never Broadway. Broadway. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, I was hoping to get picked up on um, some few of the Australian shows, but I never ever did. I never. <laughs> I wasn't talented. I must have been. Well, what's well, a, what sort of plays did you do? Oh, like, political plays. Like Brecht and, and stuff. Or? Um, the New Theatre did a lot of political plays, and like what uh, role did you play? Well, whatever role. I, I, uh. Give us an exact, can you remember any, any scenes? <laughs> no, we're not going there. <laughs> Why not? Because we're not. Oh, you're an actor. No, I'm. <laughs> what? Fair enough, Dale. We, we need to humiliate this man. No, not at no, all. Not at all. I'll tell you what, I've what? never been humiliated in my life and no one's <laughs> ever been able to. Good on you. That's why, would, that's why I knew we'd fail. Can you do a bit of Shakespeare? No. <laughs> no? No. Nothing? No. How long were you in the new theatre for? Oh, probably about eight years, ten years. That's a long time. Did you get any lead roles? No. <laughs> oh, nearly. Nearly. Yeah, a couple. Yeah. I was yeah. probably third down or something like yeah. that. Did you go down to Ballarat or something to spruik your... I did West. actually. The yeah. um, what did they call it? Was a, it was a competition, and they used to um, Steadfords, were they Steadfords? Uh, no, I I mm. can't remember. But they, they they had a competition of all of, and they'd have the best amateur theatres in uh, Victoria. Right, You'd right. win a prize. Now, don't tell me you met your wife in the new theatre. No, I met my wife um, uh, at a place called Frank Trainers. It had uh, Frank. Trainers. Trainers. Do you remember Frank Trainers? No, you, you're from Queensland. You wouldn't have a clue. <laughs> no, we had the, uh, what was it? It was up on the hill. Cloudland we had. Yeah. Yeah, you remember Cloudland? Well, I don't remember it, but I, my mother tells me stories of going, she used to work at TC Burney, and then when she'd have lunch, yeah. she'd go across to Cloudland, and she met Billy Thorpe there. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it was a place of folk music and um, jazz. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And Frank Trainer had a... Um, a jazz band called Frank Brainer's Jazz Breach. That's that's very original. Yeah, <laughs> that is, isn't it? <laughs> and uh, so that's where I met my wife, and uh, um, uh. it was a good place. It was. Uh. Um, 
Mm. Oh, I love folk music, and it's yeah. music of the people. Were you a bit of a boxer when you were a young bloke? No, never. No, I mean, I've been in a couple of blues, you think, like, but yeah, um, yeah. political ones, and uh, yeah, yeah. but I've never been. Never, never. No, no, no. you just ain't got that look about you, you know, that mean look about you, Ken. <laughs> I was thinking that about <laughs> you, too. <laughs> I, I thought well, I look like a fail boxer. Yeah, well, I am too. We're in the same camp. All right, okay. So you basically followed in your mum and dad's footsteps, did you? As a member, did you join the Communist Party? I did. I joined the Eureka Youth League when I was a kid, and then I uh, I'm not in any party no, now. But I understand. I, yeah. I was. Yeah. yeah. How long were you in the Communist Party? Oh, for? probably. Oh, 20 years or something. 20 years, yeah. What, what did you think of all the events that were unfolding around the world, like Hungary 56, Czechoslovakia well, 68? Well, the thing is that, look, mm. no matter what system you have, no mm. matter how good you think you are, you're going to make mistakes. Mm. And we live under capitalism, mm. and they push a lot of rubbish down us. Mm. And it doesn't matter how good, good you are, you still it still goes it goes into your head and you're still influenced a certain way. Mm. Now let me tell you, I went over to West Germany quite a number of years ago. What one? The sixties, early sixties? Uh, no, no, no. Um, seventies, early seventies, right. and I met with. What, you went to one of those big jam- youth jamborees these days. Uh, I just made it the tenth World <laughs> Youth Festival. Yeah, you would have just made it. And uh, I met with quite a few people who mm. who 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 were Jewish, who fled the fascists mm. and came to live in Australia and then went back there to live. Mm. And um, the living standard in East Germany was very similar to Australia. Mm. Now, no matter what system you have, you're going to make mistakes. Mm. You're, you're going to get some bastards who, mm. oh, I shouldn't swear over radio, should I? No, <laughs> you shouldn't swear. No. Over radio. Look, I'm, I'll take I'll take the blame for that. So you should, you made me swear. <laughs> Well, I was questioning the whole basis of your existence. No wonder you swore at me. I mean, I'm trying to get to the system. Is it just a few bad apples or was it a bloody bl- bad? Well, was it a bad barrel to begin with? What do you mean that I come out of all my No, parents? no, no, no. I jumped to tell my parents now. Look at this communist stuff you're talking about, you know. Well, no, no. I still think basically, um, I think, I think we've got to go to socialism. I think the only one that can can bring it as a communist party probably I'm wrong but I've got respect for quite a number of groups I've even got respect for, for your, your group I think it's very good the only oh. trouble is you've got to they should have a look, they should have a look for another leader well, well we don't have a leader we have oh, I know that we have leading militants <laughs> no we take it Joe I've got a, a lot of respect for your um, your people and, and what they do well, we do our best, but unfortunately, it's not enough. And that's the problem, isn't it? Um, hey, you got you got any ki- kids, grandkids? Yes, I have. Well, how many kids? Oh. Five, six, fifteen. I'm not quite that much. Oh. Um, I've got uh, four kids. Yeah. One girl and three boys. Right. And they've all got children. So how many grandkids you got? About eight. Eight. It's half keeping um, up, isn't it? I had a um, a young, my beautiful granddaughter. Mm. She's let me down. She's had a <laughs> she's had a a baby boy four days ago. So now I'm a great grandfather. A great 
Green. So I'll, I had a shot at it. I said, oh, you didn't get my permission to do this. <laughs> a great grandfather yes, yes. at 74. Yes. So there you go. Well, what? Are you sure you're not Irish? <laughs> No, I've <laughs> all right. No, no, just, just, I, I've got Irish. I just background. thought you were Catholic. You know, in those days, it was normal for Catholics. Well, a matter of fact, my family, of course, they're Catholic. Oh, what do you mean? Of course, they're Catholic. Mooney, but Mooney, um, that's what I'm saying. But yeah. uh, my um, my grandmother hated the Catholic Church. My father hated the Catholic Church. My mother hated the Catholic Church. Mm. And um, seems like a normal family. <laughs> that's pretty normal. <laughs> so. So, yeah. yeah, I was talking to a friend of mine yesterday. Who's Have you got friends? Well, an acquaintance. <laughs> and I was talking to her, because she's a migrant, and, and I was talking to her, and I said, you know that she can't conceive of people not having a religion, right? Like, where she comes from. And I said, do you realise that one third of Australians wrote on the census paper they have no religion? And when you think about the fact that we've had over a million migrants, mainly with many with a religious background that have come across in the last five or six years... That means people born in this country, I reckon about one in two would say they have no religion, mm. which is mm. an extraordinary number. Which yes, would, it is. would be a lot of people to execute if we had a Muslim fundamentalist government. Well, there you go. It's weird how we still, even though that's the fact of the matter and we've known that um, people are getting less and less interested in organised religions as the generations come through, uh, they still say the Lord's Prayer before Parliament in question right. time. That's right. It's just That's right. so ridiculous. Well, I should say the what? <laughs> you know why? Because they wouldn't do anything to bloody bugger up the country. Excuse They'd have me. to say... Excuse me, yeah. we're, we're a Judeo-Christian country. Do you mind? We're yeah, going to have legislation. We're going to be... Excuse suppose. Come on, we're going to have this anti-church discrimination or anti-religious discrimination law, which will enable... Religious organisations to discriminate. Yeah. I love it. But they already do. We already pay for them to do that by, yeah. by funding their schools. But what I was going to say, if you had to let me finish, was that if they say every religion and say their uh-huh, uh-huh. prayers, they wouldn't do anything to stuff the country up. Well, That's what I'm that thinking of. Yeah, it wouldn't be anything. Look, look, I don't know about you, Ken. I'm, I'm not happy with you. Um, how, as you've, as you've progressed through life, what are the major changes you've noticed around you and your communities you've been living in and working in? Well, there's been a lot of changes because um, we changed the whole structure of mm. the western suburbs. Mm. They wanted to use the western suburbs as a tip mm. and um, uh, in organising people and standing up, the, the whole area stood up to governments and bought them, and we won. Well, tell us about this, these struggles in the 70s and 80s. Cause <coughs> excuse I, I, you're excused. I don't know why you want to be excused. You're allowed to cough. This is a live radio show. We don't take out the coughs because we it's live, unless it's podcast, and then it's not live when they listen to the podcast. And well, then, then, then you need to put your hand over your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, tell us, because I remember those struggles. I mean, I actually drove past the pit. You know the pit? The, the quarry. Yes. Where they're going to put all the asbestos and stuff. You know, the quarry. Yes. And now they're selling million-dollar homes around the rim. I just drove past that a few days ago. And I, That's right. Yeah. Well, we've had very, very big battles in the western suburbs and um, mm-hmm. because we've stuck together and, and they were going to put every filthy, noxious trade in Victoria mm. from... 
the boundary of um, of sunshine, which mm. is Labberton, mm-hmm. down to Werribee, and yeah. and and, and, and um, we we knocked on every door mm. in sunshine. In, oh, sorry, sun, uh, sunshine west and Ardea. Who's we? You? The, no, not me. The whole the whole group. What there was, there was probably what? about. The Sunshine Action Group. Is that right? right and right. Uh, we knocked on every door in that area. Right. And we finished up with a demonstration of 10,000 people. Right. Marching down to the site where they were going to build the abattoir. And there wouldn't have been more than twenty to 25,000 people in Sunshine at that particular point in time, would there? Well, probably, yes. Yeah, because it wasn't a huge... And it was just amazing. And I remember Jimmy Cairns was our Member of Parliament, and he mm-hmm. said to me... Kenny said, you should be proud of yourself, what you've done. He said, you're going to march well today, I bet. And I said, I'm not going to march, Jimmy. He said, well, I said, I'm going to float. Float, yeah. yeah. So uh, that's when things started to change. And people people were fantastic. They stood the line and, and, and we were able to beat them. So the key was knocking on the doors. The key was knocking on the doors. Not oh, le- yes. Not leaving pieces of paper on the doors. And we got money off them. We asked... For every family, a dollar a family. Mm-hmm. And I remember one time, I'll never forget it, I said to a, spoke to this bloke and he said to me, I said, uh, we're asking a dollar from, for each family. And he said, I'm not going to give you a dollar. And I said, no, that's fine. And I walked away and I got down to the gate. He said, what do you think of $20? Mm-hmm. So I turned back and grabbed his $20. No <laughs> so, I mean... I enjoy living in the area, I enjoy my neighbours and Excuse I enjoy me. the people. Excuse me, you still live in Sunshine? I still, I'll, the day I leave there is the day I either go to Melbourne University. Now, hang on, hang on, how long have you been in that house? 45 years. 45 years, That's you've been right. with the same woman 55 years and you've been in the same house for 45 years. Have I been years. with her for 55 years? Well, that's what you told yes, me. Yes, I know. <laughs> and, and, and 45 years in the same house. That's right. And you read four kids in that house. Yes. All right. And I assume you were some type of high-powered executive making hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. <laughs> oh, yes, I was. I, I um, worked in the, in the, uh, for the Gas and Fuel Corporation. What did you do in the Gas and Fuel Corporation? As little, I worked in the stores. I know as little as you did, but theoretically. I worked in the stores department. and I worked in the stores department. Right. And, uh, I was active union-wise. I was a shop steward there. And, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Then I finished up on the management committee. <coughs> Excuse me, and I finished up uh, president. So, would, yeah. Would you like to give your wife a name so we all know who she is? Josephine. Josephine. Okay, good name. I agree. <laughs> now, 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 was Josephine working during these periods? Apart yes, from she home? certainly was. So you're both working. We were both working and rearing four kids at the same time. Mm-hmm. Rearing four kids at the same time. I assume you're. Um, Parents gave you a house to start you off in life, like Mr. <laughs> Malcolm Turnbull, is that correct? Well, they would have if they could have afforded a tour rack, but they couldn't afford a tour rack, so we, they couldn't. I mean, they, right. they, they bought their... My mother, I don't know how she did it, but my mother started to buy a house in the 1930s. Mm-hmm. With, I mean, she, she stayed there till the day she died, mm-hmm. and uh, they lived in Thornbury. Mm-hmm. So... Mm-hmm. But, but getting back to your situation, so you and your wife were both working. I assume she was some high-powered executive too, was she? Oh, yes. What was she doing? Um, she worked at the health department, and right. um, then she worked um, at uh, 
the Alfred Hospital. Right. And what, what type of work did she do? Oh, she was a clerk. Clerk, right. So she wasn't, you know, up at top of the, top of the no, tree. No. So here you are, you've got four kids, your wife's a clerk, you're a storeman. How did you get a deposit for a house? Well, we saved up. Yeah, but what I'm saying is you could, couldn't you? Yes. You could. You could save up. Yes. And so, Just. Yeah, but, but ordinary... Well, we we got a... The area is a housing commission area. Yeah, yeah. We've got a housing commission house and the... the um, right, so you start off in the housing commission house. Yeah, and we're still there. I'll die in the housing commission right, house. Right, so you're still in the housing commission. Mm. You didn't buy out the housing commission house? Yes, we own it. Yeah. I own it. Yeah. When? When did you buy it? We, we, we paid it off about um, five years ago. Right. So... You're in a situation where you're a working couple, you're not making much money, you've got four kids, and you were entitled in those days, in the 60s and the 70s, to actually apply for a housing commission house and get it, and, right. and over a period of time, pay for it. That's right. And before You that realise that wouldn't happen today. It doesn't happen today. People <laughs> like you, you've got to rent. We give you rent assistance, that's about it. How well, dare you? How well, dare working people like you own that's, property? That's, that's disgusting. I, I think it's disgusting. I look every day in the mirror and I think, surely you don't. You shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, look, it's uh, 4.29. This is uh, Radical Australian Community Radio 3CR. Dale Bridge is pushing the buttons and uh, jumping in. And if you were waiting for Natalie Swedosh, S-W-E-D-O-S-H, I apologise, we've double booked. Natalie will be on Radical Australia on the 27th of February and uh, we're looking forward to seeing her. And I'll have to get on my hands and knees and grovel and apologise publicly because uh, Dale won't apologise because she has, had nothing to do with the double booking. <laughs> <laughs> and, and no one in the front office will apologise because they had nothing to do with the double booking. It was all my fault. I panicked. Well, I know what I'd say. I'd say it's all Joe's fault. Well, well no, no, yeah, but you, you're practice of that because you use the word Josephine normally instead of Joe. Well, that's probably true too. But, but, but all you've got to do is say, yeah, I wouldn't blame my wife for anything, especially if she was near me. Yeah, but, but times have changed. Times have changed. You can't say that anymore. You can't say that anymore, well, Kenneth. Sir I'd, Charles Kenneth. Mooney. Well, my wife and I... He sounds like a royal Josephine. My husband and I. My wife and I. Yes. Josephine. Yes. We have both got equal rights and we both dis- we have always discussed everything together and how boring. And it is, isn't it? <laughs> and everything we do it's And you're gonna tell me you've got joint bank accounts. No, we've got a joint <laughs> bank account. There is a limit, isn't there? Yeah. Yeah. All right, but, but seriously, getting back, so what, what, what year did you move into uh, your um, Ministry of Housing home? <coughs> uh, 1973. So 73, and you had the four kids then? or Yes, So well, two of them were nearly off our hands. Yeah, so. So, so you made an application. How long did you wait? We were in a housing, we, 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 four, four years, we were, in a, we were in a housing commission flat. You were in a uh, flat before yeah, that? Yeah, a flat before that. Because I uh, organised, I went in, I I, uh, org- I started up the Housing Commission Tenants Union. Excuse me? I started up the Housing Commission Tenants Union. Would you like to say that again? I, with a few other people, started up the Housing Commission Tenants Union. Thank you. Right. In what, in 72, 71? Yes. Why? Because people were being treated like dirt. Yeah. And um, 
I held a meeting in Kensington. And, Were you um, living in Kensington at that stage? I was living at Kensington. Right. And I held a meeting and um, we started organising from there. And then uh, there was people, I went and um, letterboxed Fitzroy, uh, Carlton, mm-hmm. South Melbourne, and other people came. Right, right. So then from that meeting we decided to have uh, a a meeting of people from different places from, mm. and uh, mm. form a, an organisation called Housing Commission Tenants Union, mm. so which gave us a lot of power. And at, at that time... Right, was this Balti's or Hamer's time? <coughs> Balti and Hamer, I think. Oh, right. I forget. The... the, the, um, the uh, I've forgotten his name. The, the Minister of Housing at the time, I'm trying to think of his name. Yeah, who knows. And... Uh, well, it goes to show when you nearly get to your age, you start to lose your memory. What was that? What's your name again? <laughs> uh, you're right from Kensington, aren't you? I am, yes, yeah, yes. Right. How did you know? Yeah. Well, well, Ray's better looking than me. Well, I think he's a bit skinnier. But let, let's get him back <laughs> this. Oh, that's very hurtful. Joe, and you're extremely skinny, aren't you? Yeah, it's true. It's true. I am skinny. Now, getting back to this, so how old... <coughs> Were you and your wife when you went into your first housing commission flat? Ooh. Roughly in the 20s or 30s? Or oh, yeah, 20s. 20s. And did you have four kids at that stage? Yes. Right. No, no, we had uh, one, we had three kids at that stage. We had, right. um, we had, uh, we had, we had three kids at that stage and then uh, the other kid was, um, the youngest was born, uh, born when we were in the, so, so Housing Commission, uh, Ministry of Housing, flats, units and houses were available to working people who didn't have enough money for a deposit for a house. Is That's that correct? Right. That's right. It wasn't just for people in a dire emergency. Oh, no, no, no. no so it was no. something that people expected, that if you couldn't buy a house... That's right. ...you'd get secure accommodation... That's right. ...and your kids would go to the same school... That's right. Although you were in a low-paid job. That's right. And that's an expectation then? That's, that's right. Well, we don't have that expectation today, do we? No, we don't. And I it's mean, disgusting. What, yeah, but what do you think's changed in the last 30 years? I mean, you know, this was a great <coughs> thing about Victoria. It was actually introduced by the uh, returned servicemen and women when they returned because they were living in tents down that's at, uh, down, in the demo, uh, down at um, uh, the gardens, you know, the um, Botanic Gardens. And in the Melbourne MCG, there are pictures of that's right. returned servicemen and they demanded because they fought for the country. They have housing and the government at that stage, the Conservative government, was forced to start the Ministry of Housing. That's correct. And, and, and the philosophy was, because I remember those days, the philosophy was that if you were a lowly paid worker and you couldn't, Right, you couldn't buy. You had a right to be on a waiting list for a housing commission unit That's right. or house. That That's was right. your that was your That's right, right as, a, as right. a citizen or as a resident of this state. That's right, and it's gone there, and it's, a, it's absolutely disgusting. Yeah, and you saw what happened to Mr. Martin Foley, the previous housing minister. He may have increased his majority, but he got turfed out as housing minister. And uh, what's his name? Mr. Richard Wynne is now the housing minister because the philosophical basis that this government has had in the last four years regarding public housing has been abysmal. Oh, of course it has. So, just, so I just want people to, to know that. And that's one of the main <coughs> reasons I brought you in today because 
we're reactivating the public housing campaign about using stamp duty to fund public housing in this state and to make it a right for people who can't enter the private housing market who don't want to rent, make it a right for them to actually enter a public house at a reasonable cost at 25% of their income because this is nothing new, is it? No, and also too, we get near a deposit for a house mm. and something would go wrong yeah. and then it would be gone. So yeah. that was able to put us on our feet. Right, because you only pay 25% of your combined income. Yes. Right. And um, uh, it's a very good home. And um, Well, I've been in it and I can assure you there are no white ants. <laughs> it's next to a park. Well, that's, that's right. another story. It's, yes. Yeah. Uh, right near a creek, and it's beautiful. It's, the park's absolutely beautiful. Okay. And, even, and even the factory across the road or whatever across the river has <coughs> got little things on it so you don't get any noise. That's right. And a, a, a factory at the back of our place, there was a, a Lindsay transport. Was. What happened to them? And, uh, no, they're still there. You didn't firebomb them. No. No, right. There was, was 92 Jezebels in my house at 2 o'clock in the morning. 92? 92. Well, so them. I rang up politicians mm. and I rang up councils, mm. and not just me, and uh, we made them build a, fe- it's, we made them build a fence mm. that's... Um, and now we can't hear them. Mm. And uh, they yeah. fought us like mad. And yeah. the bank in New York owned the land. Mm. And we beat the bank. In, yeah. The community beat the bank in New York. Right. And, and the dumpers. Now, Dale, I'm going to ask you a question. You've been a member of a punk band. And, you know, um, what's 92 decibels? What does that sound like? Can you get to 92 decibels? Well, uh, you know, with amplification, anything's possible. But, um, yeah, that's very loud. It's very loud. Very loud, yeah. Uh, very, very loud. You wouldn't be able to sleep through that, would you? Well, you know, it depends. Like, um, if it's sporadic, no. But if it was constant, there's a chance. You get used to it, right? Yeah. Right. But um, you know, that's at a you know where I there's supposed to be residential housing, that's just unreasonable. I had no intentions of uh, getting used to it. Yeah, no, um, it's we, unreasonable. We, we kicked up straight away. Hmm. But getting back to the housing commission, this is why housing commission tenants these days is as rare as hen's teeth because it's only 3% of Victorians now live in housing commission. It was up to about 22% in the 70s, you know, the golden days of housing commission. Now, so you just paid 25% of your combined income. Mm. Did you pay for insurance for the house? Yes, that was in... No, no, yeah, yeah, we had to pay our own insurance. What, contents or the house itself? Um, Contents, no, that was a part of the they pay the insurance. Yes, right. yes. Did you pay any rates? Oh yes, oh yes, we you, paid rates. You paid the rates before before uh, you bought the house. Yes, yeah, we were buying the house. No, but you before were you were buying, when you were no, tenant. no, you didn't pay the so rates. So as a tenant, as a housing commission as a tenant, tenant, you, you, didn't. Don't, you don't pay rates. No. Uh, and you just pay for the things you use. That's and right. And twenty five, you know, electricity, gas, whatever, <laughs> water. But you probably do pay rates. They probably put it up to. Uh, no, I'm sure they do. Yeah, yeah somehow. Yeah. But again, now, was there any, as a Housing Commission tenant, was there any threat of eviction? Well, that's why we started up the Housing Commission Tenants Union. So what was happening? Well, there was people who were, who were being evicted. Why? For certain, well, for anything, hmm. for certain things. And, and that's one of the reasons why we formed uh, the Housing Commission Tenants Union. But, um, but um, we could stand together and stop it. 
stop people from being evicted, which we did do, and we were quite successful. I mean, it's exceptionally difficult to organise among housing tenants these days because most of them live in fear of being evicted. Um, how did you overcome that in the 70s? Well, um, <laughs> they said to my wife, we're going to evict you. Mm-hmm. And my wife was, um, <coughs> my wife was, I mean, she always, she was, she was she's very always, strong. She's, she's but she tough, said, yeah. we can, we can get evicted. And, and actually, Barry Jones was at our house and he said, I hope they, he was our member of parliament. Mm. And he said, I hope they do evict you. They'll be throwing you back in as quick as possible. Right. Yeah. yeah. So from then on, she was, um. Right. So you were threatened. Oh yes, oh yes. For forming the tenants union. Oh yes, oh yes. Right. Yeah. Okay. But uh, I didn't do it on my own. There was another no. another bloke who who him and I worked extremely well together, and right. Um, right. Uh, the old mate Pat Tumulty and um, mm. him and I worked extremely well together. And uh, mm. <laughs> a matter of fact, we were that much together. He's, I, my wife was complaining I was never home, and uh, I said to her, "Why can't you be like, like?" Betty Tomalty, she never complains, and I never heard her complain. I said this to her, and she said, she said to Pat, listen, why don't you marry Ken Mooney? You're with him more than me. <laughs> if I was her, I'd be very pleased you weren't home. <laughs> I Pat's <said, laughs> <laughs> was, was of that mind. But I was, I was home a fair bit. That's probably... Oh, I, so that, she had to bring up the four kids by herself? No, no she didn't. No, she didn't. She didn't, all right. Okay. Uh, so it's interesting, it's interesting. Look, you've been involved in a lot of successful campaigns, and a few that I remember that you've told us in the past and that I've heard from you is the campaign regarding noise reduction, the campaign regarding the saving the park next, next, next to his thing, the campaign regarding the uh, tenants' union, the campaigning they did in the, with the gas and fuel, improving improving members' rights. Uh, the campaign e- involving the um, uh, workers' solidarity movement, you know, assisting the trade unions. Camp uh, the camp in the campaign with the noxious, uh, uh, noxious waste, right? waste. Yes. and uh, m- many of them have been successful. Now a lot of activists are involved in campaigns, and usually their success rate is about 0.2 percent. Mm. So, what do you think is the secret of that success? You don't give up. Yeah, you keep on fighting. And, and, well, you make sure you're well organised. Well, what do you mean by well organised? <coughs> that's a, that's How a do you get well organised? Well, in a community, you've, you've got to, you've got to be always knocking on doors, talking to you, people. You've actually got to talk to your neighbours. You've actually got to talk to your neighbours. And the yeah. people involved in the struggle. Yeah, that's right. And, you, and, you're kidding. Yeah, and then. People, really? Yeah. You can't do it on social media. No, no. You can. You, you've got to do it by meetings. You've got to do it by talking face to face, like we're talking to each other. You're kidding. Before that's a lot of hard work. Talking to you. Well, that's what you do. And I, <clears throat> I think knocking on doors and talking to people, mm. you get yourself known, and people know that we started up. The, we had a meeting. We started up the Sunshine Action Group. Okay, let's go back. There's an issue. Your door knock. Put out leaflets, door knock, discuss, but you always call a meeting, do you? To always call a meeting and right. invite everyone to it. Right, so you call an open meeting. An open meeting. Right, and I assume it's not a nebulous type of um, program. You've got specific issues that you're addressing at the meeting. Is that correct? That's correct, yes. Yeah, because a lot of things are very nebulous, you know, and, and you, people just don't really know where to focus. Well, you focus, you've all got to focus on certain things, and that's how you... 
That's how you grow. You build, and you build that movement. That's correct. All right. So you have your first meeting, right? It's an open public meeting. Obviously, there'll be a lot of shouting and carrying on. How do you progress from that first meeting? Well, from that first meeting, you, you pick... Um, you say, look, we've, we've to keep this all together, mm-hmm. we've got to have a committee. Right, so you're asking for a committee to be So formed. then so there the was committee a committee is formed. A formed of, um, right. there was 12 people on that committee. Right, so it was formed at that first meeting. At that first so meeting. So do you call for volunteers or do you vote people in? <coughs> well, I think we called for volunteers mm-hmm. that first meeting because mm-hmm. we didn't really know each other. Right. The next meeting was, was elected by the... There was an election for it. Yes. So you had a steering committee to get things that's started. That's right, that's right. Okay, all right. Now, you've also been involved, and then you've got your campaign, you've got your issue, and then you start focusing on who makes the decision. Is that correct? There's a group? Yes. You put yes. your energy into that. Yeah, but the whole group, because you keep on having meetings, right. and you talk to people, you do door knocks, and you talk to people right. all the time. So you're expanding like a cancer. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the only way to grow. And, and, and um, Right. Uh, so, so every major campaign you've involved in, including when you're involved with your unions, about talking to your members, getting them behind you, yes. setting up your committees, and then ex- and then working on that. And you think the success came from that? I think so. Mm. I think so. Mm. I mean, you've got to have people committed, and you you if you commit as many people and you and everyone's working and doing something, mm. they stay together, and it makes you grow. Mm. Okay. All right. Sounds like a hard work being an activist. It's it's hard work. No wonder Josephine was upset with you. <laughs> She's always upset with me. Well, look, I, I congratulate her on that. <laughs> now, getting back to 3CR, were you involved in the early stages of 3CR? I was around. Around. Well, we're all around. What well, do you mean, I, what do you mean you're around? I helped to raise some money, and I. Uh, what do you mean you helped to raise some money? I, um, uh, uh, Bill Hartley, mm-hmm. has been a was a lifetime friend, and um, Bill right. Hartley right. had us. So I knew it was going on. Right. So when did you first walk into Three Sour? God, I can't remember that far back. <laughs> was it at this no, studio or was it across no, Cromwell was, Street? No, it was, it was, it was. Cromwell Street, 20 Cromwell Street. You stood up in it. I was interviewed in it. I remember, I was, I'm, I'm, I'm very proud of this. I was, I was interviewed by the, um, by the CMFEU. Yeah, CFMU, yeah. And we were standing, standing up in the wall there. <laughs> That's right. The students were very small, and they were Cromwell, very, very small at Twenty Cromwell Street. So that's that's, right. I, that's when I got um, first, and I, and and, and I, they they interviewed us, right. interviewed me, mm-hmm. because um, <clears throat> in what we were doing community wise, we'd involve I think, or we've always involved the unions. Right. We involved the unions. Um, when they wanted to put all the noxious trade there, right. we, we were talking to the unions that were involved in that, right. and um, we we got their support. Right. And uh, so the CMFEU were, were were always very good. And, um, mm-hmm. and do you think they're as close to the ALP then as they are now? <coughs> I'd say I'd say they probably. I don't know. I, I don't know. I couldn't no, answer I that they honestly. Was, it was the Cane Labor government that deregistered the BLF. Wasn't, yes, wasn't I know. Liberal, liberal National Party. I know. Yeah, yeah. Well, 
There's two parties of the ruling class. Really? One's called the Liberal Party yeah. and one's called the Labor Party. No, you got it wrong. You've always got it wrong, Ken. I keep telling the you. The Alternative Liberal Thank Party. Thank you. That's right. The ALP, the Alternative That's Liberal right. Party. That's right. So we're all going to be saved when Bill becomes Prime Minister in a few months' time. <laughs> what are you laughing for, Ken? <laughs> <laughs> well... We're still he's, on he's a local member, isn't he? So no, he's, no, he's no. not. Oh, I, I, I don't. Um, oh, this is disgusting. You can't remember your local um, member. I don't even know who my local member is. Mm-hmm. See what happens when you retire? Uh, Honestly, don't know. And I, do I. I've worked with quite a number of them. We had yeah. our state member of parliament, Bill Fogarty, um, was extremely good. Mm-hmm. And... Um, uh, during the times that we had the blues, he was right behind us. Yeah, but see, the difference is this, and this is these are some figures that have come out recently, and I think it, it highlights what's happened to the political system. Now, we had genuine grassroots representation in the political parties because the branches had a lot of power <coughs> as far as pre-selection was concerned. Do you know, in the last federal parliament, what is the biggest... You know, people come from certain groups, trade unions, uh, business, finance, lawyers, education. You know what the biggest group of politicians, what their background is? This is federal politicians. And I assume it's... They're probably most from the business people. No. Or trade unions. No. No. And this is what 40%, 39.5% were political advisors. Oh, that doesn't surprise me. So they were... But... 30 years ago, in 1988, what percentage of politicians were political advisers before they were elected? 3%. Yeah. In 1988, the trade union representation was about 15%. That's right. In 2019 or 2018, it's about 15%. The number of people in the education sector has decreased from about 24% yep. to 12 The number of lawyers has uh, remained steady, about 17 18%. The number of people in the financial world has increased, you know, from yes. about 3% to almost 9%. And the number of small business people has also increased quite dramatically from almost nothing to almost 7%. So what we see is a total change in how parliamentarians are pre-selected for their seats. What we're seeing is the party machine, not the branches doing the pre-selection. So... If you're a good little boy or girl and you work for a, a minister, your reward will be to be pre-selected in a safe seat. And you've got no experience. No experience whatsoever. Well, that's like the old Labor Party song, bump me into Parliament, bounce me anyway, bang me into Parliament on next election day. I've read my Bible ten times through. Jesus justifies me. If you don't vote for me by Christ, you'll crucify me. Bump me into Parliament. Good on you. You told me you didn't know any songs. <laughs> You see, you or you wouldn't like me to sing it. We'll do it. No. <laughs> but Jimmy Cairns, we had a, a very good... Jimmy Cairns was our federal member. Really? And um, uh-huh. he was he was an outstanding person. I mean, of course, everyone you have disagreements with, but he was he was very good, Jimmy. And, yeah. Um, yeah. Did you, did you can't, can't see him at the parade markets occasionally? Oh yes, I've seen him a couple of times there. And uh, my dad and him, he said to me, one time he said, um, 
He said, your father, because Jimmy Cairns was a copper. Yeah, that's right. And he used to take notes down the Yarra Bank. Yeah. And my father used to speak to him. Explain to people what taking notes down the Yarra Bank meant. So what was the... See, we now have a great tennis centre where we have a great spectacle every year at the Australian Open. What was it before, again, the Kane Labor government in the 80s turned the Yarra Bank, the People's Bank, where people went every Sunday... To sprout their ideas That's right. into a tennis centre. That's right. The Communist Party and, and other organisations uh, went down there. There was religious organisations. Religious organisations. Anybody. Uh, uh, mate, there was a whole heap of stumps down there that they they that's made right. it. They stand that's on where the, the stump oration. That's right. The stump orator. You stand on the stump, and then you have thousands of people go down to the Vera Bank for three entertainment. Well. Jimmy Keynes was a copper in his early days, yep. and he'd take notes. He would, <laughs> ah, that's right. For some, for what the Communist Party was saying. Yeah, yeah. And um, uh, for some reason, I don't know why, but my father started talking to him. Mm-hmm. And um, he educated... Educated. Educated. Educated yeah. Jimmy Keynes. And Jimmy Keynes said to me, was only for your father, I wouldn't have had any politics. <laughs> my father said to him, I didn't educate him enough. He never, never, he joined the bloody Labour Party. All right. Now, what was your father's name again? Mel Mooney. Mel, Mel- Albert, no. Albert. Albert. Albert Melvin Mooney. Albert Melvin Mooney was That's Jim right. Cairns. What do they call him these days? Mentor. Yes. Yeah, like, uh, uh, Jack Lang was uh, Paul Keating's mentor. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Well, anyway, my father. Who did you mentor? Well, I don't know. You don't know. Dave Kieran? No. No. <laughs> he didn't need any mentoring. Did no, he? no. Dave no. doesn't need any mentoring. No, he doesn't. No, no. no. Oh, probably. I, I don't. I, I haven't. Um, well, you've taken some young people under your wing, haven't you? Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. You haven't kept it all, all this knowledge to yourself, have you? No, 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 no. no. Well, you you do it together. You do it together with with whatever committee you're on. You, you don't... Um, now, Ken, I didn't notice you on the new on the uh, Invasion Days Honours list. What's going on, mate? Well, I don't know. But I, I did get an... I, I am on an honours list. Well, you and Josephine. Yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Eureka, Eureka Australia medalist. That's correct. And that's... Australia Eureka medalist. That's, that's, right. that's yeah. more precious to me than having a... Yeah. You still got the medals? Have you, or my, have you lost them? My, no, I'd, I'd never lose them. No, you better not. Yeah. No, I'd never, we'd never lose them. Yeah. Did you put them up in a frame or not? Um, yes, we have the Excellent. other stuff. Yes, yes, yeah. yes, oh, she has. Right. But we've, we've got the um, the medals in the, in the, in the, in the top drawer. Yeah. Well, the medals were introduced by the Anarchist Men Institute in 2006 for people like you. You know, people who make a difference, but will, that will never be recognised in the official honours list, and who would never accept an official honour. So oh, I can't imagine me shaking the hands of the prime minister. He, he wouldn't shake your hand. No. He may catch a disease. Yeah. Work a right. Catch a disease, you'd have a black eye for a start. Uh, <laughs> oh, violence. Now, have you got any parting thoughts for any young folk who think everything is hopeless and it's all about social media? Well, the main thing is, is organising and speaking to people and doing things together. 
discussing everything you do and that's how you broaden out you learn by your mistakes don't be crooked on yourself because you've made a mistake mm. you work from that mm. and that's how you grow and that's how you mature and that's how you organise and that's how you, that's how you win mm. now that you're a great grandfather Ken <laughs> oh, I'm never going to live this down well, I hope you why did I tell him that I hope you become a great great grandfather which means you'd be about 95 <laughs> but uh, but now that you're, you know, you're in your mid-70s, you, things are, you're slowing down a bit physically, obviously. You're not the man you were, physically. Intellectually you are. You're, are you you're, spe- you're always Excuse dull. me, can I ask you a question? You speak as a doctor? No. Oh. No, 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 no. <laughs> Just no, no. as a rat bag. My opinion Just is, as a rat bag. Yeah, my, opinion, I like that. my opinion as a doctor is not worth shit. So. <laughs> uh, Especially in your case, you're not a patient. Thanks, gods. So, look, I wish you and Josephine all the best. I think you've done more than your fair share for the community. Thank you. I think your legacy remains behind because, as you said, the western suburbs are now expanding rapidly. Governments have realised that we need to expand and that's an area to expand in. And I'm hoping, I just hope, that some of the lessons that... uh, uh, people have learnt over the years are transmitted to a newer generation because there will be many more struggles in that area. And it was good to see there was an op- a local obstetrician in Werribee who stood as an independent at the last state election and he almost collected 20% of the vote oh, in, in, in a safe seat. You know, uh, you know, a man who devoted a lot of time to that community over many, many years. And uh, not that you're an obstetrician, Ken, but I think you've given birth to a lot of you've helped to give not given birth sorry but helped to give birth to many many important social and community struggle that have succeeded oh thank and you i've never thought of that no, and i wish you all the best for the future and uh, hopefully maybe in 10 years time we'll bring you back but unfortunately most likely i won't be here and dale have to interview you okay and either will i i don't think well we'll see what happens you never know you never know you never know we could be. You mis- might be saying, "What did you say?" Make fantastic radio, wouldn't it? What did you say? We could do. We could we could, just no, what, what, what Dale will do is she'll do a, a, a live crossover to our nursing home beds. Thank you very much. Thanks, Joe. I've enjoyed every bit of it. Thank you very much, Dale. <laughs>